0: Praise God. What a mighty God we serve, eh? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Julia. That was so encouraging. Amen. I want to say thank you today for leading us, James and Tamima, for leading us in praise and worship. We had some fun this morning, amen? amen. Hallelujah. Worshipping the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sweetie. Praise God. We're going to bring to a conclusion, uh, this is week five of the study that we've been doing on, on spiritual warfare. And uh, I'm going to bring it to a conclusion this morning. Uh, we'll just see how far we get, but we will be finished, whatever happens. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a uh, turn to God's Word, Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read, start reading from verse 12. And it says this, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto all perseverance and supplications for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of my, the gospel. That last verse, I would really like you to pray that for me. If you ever felt led, I'd be very grateful. um, To utter the mysteries of the gospel is such a a wonderful privilege. But this morning we want to focus in on on verse 16. Taking the shield of faith wherewith we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And uh, so I want to look, first of all, at, at, at the, the, the shield itself, because it has some incredibly interesting uh, insights as we look at. It. I shared this about 10 years ago, uh, and I, I want to just bring some, some of the truths that we looked at then, because uh, they were real encouragement uh, to myself, and, and people seem to receive it then, so I hope you'll be blessed. So, above all, taking the shield of faith. That's the, the Greek word through throughrios and it really means door. It's the, it's the Greek word for a door. And the reason for that is the shield was so big, uh, it actually looked a bit like a door. And so it was termed the, th- the thurios in Greek. Um, of course, the, the Romans had their own uh, pronunciation for that. And it's really modeled... Uh, this Roman shield that you see up there um, is really modeled on the first uh, Roman shield, the ankylia. Uh, the ankylia was... Uh, made of wood and and it was um, sort of shaped into this uh, uh, rounded shape and uh, there were two layers of it uh, and they stuck it together uh, with ox glue and it was about four foot by two and a half foot Uh, that's 120 centimeters for Julia, 75 meters and 10 centimeters thick so it was thick, 10 centimeters that's about four inches okay, and it was covered uh, with leather and edged with iron. I don't know if you can make it out very clearly, and just on the, on the outer room here. All around, the, all around the shield, it was edged with iron. And there was a reason for that, um, and we, we will get into that. Um, but it, it was really an important detail. And throughout the 1,200 1, years of the Roman Western Empire, uh, the shield changed very little except for minor modifications. Um, but it became, uh, during the time of Christ, uh, this was the Imperium Scrut Romanum, which is the Roman shield. Did I do all right now? Well done. Okay, thank you. So the Imperium Romanum is the Roman shield. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be looking at. And it was about the size of a small door that you could really hide behind. Okay. Um, and so it was this shield that we were going to look at was known as the romanum scutum that's the, the scutum is the, the word the, the latin word for shield okay so we're looking at this shield and I, I think you can actually see in this next slide you can actually see that steel rim going around about the shield much better you see it there yeah that's the steel room that that goes round about and the shield was bent because the Romans discovered that... Remember, this is basically hand-to-hand combat. We didn't have nuclear weapons back in the day. So you, you, had, you had this hand-to-hand combat, and so you had this curved shield. Because the Romans discovered through uh, trial and error that the, the, the rounded shield actually acted as a shock absorber. Because what they would do is the opposing armies would face off, and then they would charge into each other, and they would hit their shields together. And a, a flat shield created a large surface area, and so it really took it took the impact. The rounded shield dissipated the force of the opposing army, mm-hmm. and so it acted like a shock absorber. The second thing that a rounded shield did was that it helped to deflect the arrows of the enemy yeah. and so that that was the reason for that and when we go into it a little deeper you you'll see why we're looking at. You see that in the previous slide. There was that big uh, iron bulge. Uh, that was the imbo, or, or the umbo, I should say. Uh, O-double-M-B-O. And it was made of steel. And, so, uh, and it protected the hand. But if, if, uh, if a soldier dropped his shield, it made a wicked punch. It was like the steel fist. Uh, There's a this, this, uh, raised iron um, bulge in the you imagine being hit with knuckle dusters steel knuckle dusters well this was what we had before we had steel knuckle dusters and it was pretty darn effective so it was kind of interesting the borders uh, reinforced with that steel because uh, in the old days they would come with what their swords and the, the battle axe and so the steel around there helped prevent the, the shield from breaking up and being destroyed. It actually uh, contributed to the structural integrity of the sword of the shield because it went all the way around. Okay, now you are experts on the scutum. Okay, Halali, we'll test you later, and we'll see how that goes. In your dreams. In my dreams, absolutely. Okay. But I want to just go back to the Scripture. Now that we understand a little bit about the shield, we'll make it relevant. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all. In other words, the shield of faith is the primary weapon against the enemy. It's our go-to weapon. It's the weapon of choice, is the shield of faith. And so this is the one thing we need to be really focusing in on as believers, is really understanding how to operate in faith and and use the shield of faith against the attacks of the enemy. Amen? Amen. So it becomes really important. Okay, I want to pause here and I just want to pray and ask God's blessing upon the Word, uh, because I was so excited about my message this morning. We charge you! (laughs) Hallelujah. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll also welcome the Zoomers. So, Heavenly Father, we just pray that as we look through the Scriptures and as we examine Your Word, we pray that there would be an impartation, uh, the spirit of wisdom, of revelation would be granted to all of us this morning, those that speak and those that listen. Lord, we would receive fresh revelation straight from the throne of God. We pray that You bless Your Word and, and break it as bread to us, Your people. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Can we say hello to our Zoomers on the count of three? One, two, three. Hello, Hello. Zoomers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. Welcome. Sorry, I forgot to say that at the beginning. you know, it becomes really important in, in, in any army that you take care of your weapons. If you've ever been a soldier and served anywhere, you know that it, it's one of the major functions of your training is to, to know your weapon and to take care of your weapon. And it was true in the Roman army, you know. They, they had to take care of their, their shield, their scutum. And so the way they did that, is that they applied oil and, and water um, that, to the shield. And so the, the oil actually protected the leather because the, the, the wood that was stuck together, remember I said there was two layers, and was stuck together with, with ox glue. Uh, and then those two layers of wood uh, would burn very easily if a fire arrow went into it. So they covered it with, with leather, and they put oil on the, on the leather to keep the leather soft and supple and and then before they went into battle they would wash the oil off they'd wash the surface oil off because oil obviously is highly flammable and so that, that but in the meantime it's kept the leather soft and supple and they, they look after it and so they would go to the the local river and they would uh, pass their shield plunge their shield under and the shield would absorb water it had, it had one advantage and one disadvantage the shield, the, the, I mean, it's four foot. I mean, it's a pretty big shield and it's covered with leather and you push it under the water and it absorbs all this water. It becomes very heavy. About 10 kgs uh, when saturated, 8 kgs when dry. So it becomes very heavy. But when it is saturated in the river, how many know that wet leather doesn't burn too well? <laughs> and hence, the, it, it quenches the fiery dots of the wicked one. In the natural, that's what was actually happening, but in the spiritual, we'll see that there's actually uh, an application for that. So, um, they would wash their shield in the river and then dry it off, and uh, because it made it very effective against fiery arrows. Uh, but you know, in any in any war, you've got to become conversant with your weapons. And how many? Of you know that we are in the army of the Lord. Can you say Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So we must become skilled. In the weapons that God has given us in order to overcome the enemy. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of ever living in defeat again. I'm never going back to those days. Amen? I'm going to walk in victory all the days of my life. And everyone said? Amen. 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 And so this is really the plan and the purpose of God. You must become familiar with with your weapons. You know, when I joined the Rhodesian army, the war was going on. And part of my basic training was uh, getting to understand and know our weapon. And one of the things that they would do is, before you could pass out uh, of basic training, um, you had to uh, pass the tests that they um, assigned you. One of the tests that they did was you had to be able to strip your weapon down completely and then reassemble it in 90 seconds, blindfolded. (laughs) And we said, why do you blindfold us? He said, what happens if the enemy attacks at, at night and there's no moon? You've got to be able to do this in pitch darkness. And so they blindfolded us and you would strip down your weapon completely and then put it back together in 90 seconds. That takes a fair bit of practice, I can tell you. It's, it's, <laughs> and boy, you've got to learn it because you've got to graduate. You don't want to repeat basic training. And all the soldiers said? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so... Here's a spiritual lesson for us. It's about discipline. You know, If you don't look after your shield or your weapon, whether you're in a current day a soldier, or whether you're in the Roman army, or whether you're in God's army, if you don't take care of your shield, you are going to be in trouble. Because the first thing that will happen is that if you don't look after it, and you don't look after your shield, and you don't oil it and water it and take care of it, is that that shield is going to dry out, and eventually the leather will will crack, exposing the animal fats and the remaining residue of the oil that has been applied in the past. It becomes very inflammable because you haven't taken care of your shield. And as a result of that, when the enemy fires his, his fiery dart, your shield is going to catch light. How many you know you're not going to run around forever with a burning shield? At some point you're going to say, Whoa, I don't want this anymore. And the minute you discard it, you are in trouble. But you're in trouble if you haven't looked after it because you cannot hold it. And a soldier who discards his shield is soon killed. Okay, so there's a very important lesson that we need to understand here. Okay, so uh, in any battle, as soon as it starts, something becomes very apparent. Any soldier will tell you that you can tell the degree, the kind of soldiers that you're facing by what they do. You see, trained and disciplined soldiers will stand their ground and fight. They will, they will put up a great defense. I think a lot of what's happening in Russia now is they're putting in these untrained uh, soldiers and they're just surrendering to, to the Ukrainians because they're untrained and undisciplined. They cannot fight. And uh, So in any, in any contest, you, you, five minutes into the battle, you know whether you're facing uh, trained and disciplined troops or troops who are, are soldiers just by name. So what's that going to do with us spiritually? You say, "Man, where's this pastor going this morning?" I'm telling you, this is it. Because there are Christians in the army of the Lord who are Christians by name only. They are not disciplined soldiers. They are not trained soldiers. And as a result of that, they will soon be taken captive. Um, you know, as as a result of it, they are Christians by name only. And when they are attacked, they fall to pieces. They can't cope. They don't know what to do. You've all known Christians in, in your life at some point that have had that. Amen? Yeah. You know, you, what, I don't know what to do. It's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. If they knew their covenant, if they knew what Jesus has done for us, then they would be able to stand and fight. They would be disciplined soldiers and they'd be able to overcome. You see, these are, uh, are undisciplined uh, uh, Christians um, who've never learned to, to train themselves in the Word of God. They've never learnt the Word of God because they come to church for fun. I want to tell you, there's no army in the world that, that is interested in fun. In fact, they, they, they're sadistic, nasty guys. <laughs> there's no fun involved. But the, in the army of the Lord, people come to church for fun. They want to be entertained. Those kind of guys fall by the wayside very quickly. They cannot stand Because they are unfaithful in fellowship. You know, there's no discipline. They they come to church. Oh, it's raining today. I I think I'll stay in bed. I don't think I'll go to church. I know know nobody hears like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but we've got to learn to discipline ourselves and train ourselves and become efficient with the weapons of our warfare, which are the, the word of God and the shield of faith. If we are ignorant... We become the prime targets of the enemy. How many of you know it's better to go after an enemy that is ill-disciplined and untrained than to go up against seasoned hardened troops? Yeah. Which do you want to fight against? Oh. <laughs> Ignorant and undisciplined, amen? Because yeah. they're going to break and run really quickly. And that's exactly what the devil does to Christians who don't know their covenant, who are not familiar with the Word of God, who have no understanding of, of the Scriptures the devil says, oh, I can take those guys out before they get going. And so they become tar- prime targets. Those who begin to understand their the, the, the covenant. How many of you know, when you know the word of God, you get less and less attacks? Yes. Amen? Amen. Yeah, then he says, oh, I'm not going near those guys. Those are seasoned, trained soldiers. I'll go and pick on somebody who doesn't know what Christ has done for them. And as a result, he takes them out. They are destroyed. They fall by the wayside because they don't know their covenant or their weapons or anything else. So how does this apply to us if we don't discipline ourselves to work on our faith? Well, now I'm going to get myself into trouble here. (laughs) Uh, You preaching works, pastor? Yes. (laughs) I'm preaching that you've got to learn the Word of God. We need to work on our faith. Look after our shield. Is that okay? You're not going to stone me? How do we do that? By memorizing the Word of God. That's how you become a skilled soldier in the army of the Lord when you know what the word of the Lord is. How many you know the word of the Lord is a powerful weapon? And when you know it and it comes out of your spirit, God anoints it and you can break through into any and all circumstances. But if you don't memorize and you don't meditate on the scriptures, our faith will soon dry up. Spiritual retardation takes place. There are no spiritual retards here. Amen. Amen. We are all people of the word. Amen. I hope and I pray. <laughs> but if you, if you don't actually by design say, hey, I'm going to get serious with God. I want to become a disciplined soldier in the army of God so that I can be a, a useful uh, person that people can come to me if they have problems. I can stand and I can fight on their behalf. You know, We have to come to that place where we are meditating and memorizing the word of God. Otherwise our faith will soon dry up. Spiritual death can soon take place. You know, as a soldier, the, one of the things I've soon discovered, one of the first things i learned is that you spend endless blooming hours learning, training, working with your weapons. It's drill, it's it's, it's range practice, it's assembly and disassembly. That you just hour after hour after hour Blessed hour. <laughs> you know, they become proficient and, and they are drilled and they trained with their weapons. If we are going to be good soldiers of the Lord, we need to spend time in the we need to invest by purpose. I'm going to spend time in the Word of God. You will grow strong. You will grow wise. You will become an overcomer. That's why there is such a spiritual battle over getting into the Word of God and 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 uh, you know meditate. How many can I identify with this? You think I'm going, I'm going to start memorizing the Word of God that day? That phone doesn't stop ringing. There's people knocking at your door. There's every distraction you can think of. Why? Because the enemy knows if you become conversant in the covenant that He is going to lose you, and worse still, you're going to create a nightmare for Him. And so we've got to make sure that we're spending time drilling and training in the Word of God, memorizing Scripture. I've I've tried to say this to you in in a multitude of different ways, to meditate and memorize Scripture. And I hope that you're taking this on board, because it's really important. If we go back to the times of Rome... Uh, and, and we see that, they, that the way they took care of their scutum, uh, their shield, um, you'll see that they put oil and water. We, we've already spoken about that. But, you know, there's a spiritual application because we're talking about spiritual warfare. And both the oil and the water are symbols that New Testament Christians understand. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The water is a symbol of the Word of God. And so when we understand that we're training, we're training in the Holy Spirit, we're training with the Word of God, then we're going to actually become powerful and effective. Uh, Our faith will become effective as we soak ourselves in the Holy Spirit, as we spend time in the river of life, as we pray in the Holy Ghost, uh, basking in His presence speaking in tongues, renewing our mind with the Word of God, meditating and memorizing. It's how we develop effective faith. Miracle mountain-moving faith is developed like this. Man, if you've got mountain-moving faith, man, there's nothing that can overcome you. You can move mountains. Amen. Man, you're going to walk in victory. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, yeah. and so it's how we develop mountain-moving faith if we do that. But there's even more to the spiritual application. Okay. The shield of faith protects what? The main organs in our body. Our heart, our lungs. uh, But principally the heart. Um, and, And why is the heart so important? Because our faith worketh by love. You see, faith worketh by love. It's a heart issue. I remember... Many years ago, when, when my son was small, um, uh, my brother-in-law came over, and I'd been teaching my son uh, uh, to jump with the wall into my arms. It was probably, the wars were at this height, and so his feet were above my head level, and he would jump, and my brother-in-law thought, hey, this is cool. And, and he came up to, to Rich, my son, and he was saying, jump, Rich. And Rich wasn't having a bar, he said, jump, Rich. No, nah, he said, jump, Rich. And he couldn't come. I said, hey, watch this. I walked up to him. I said, hey, jump, Rich. And before I even had my arms up, he threw himself off the wall and I caught him. What was the difference? My son knew that I loved him and that I wouldn't let anything bad happen to him. Amen? He didn't have the same confidence and security in my brother-in-law. He didn't know him as well as he knew me. So faith worketh by love. When you know that you are loved by God, that God will protect you, that God will help you, you are able to take steps of faith because God is the one who surrounds and supports you. It's really important. Faith worketh by love. Okay, But if we're going to be walk in mountain-moving miracle faith, our hearts need to be right with God and man. You can't harbor bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment uh you know you can't harbor these things doubt in your heart and expect to move in miracle moving faith can i have an amen? Amen. Amen. amen i'm preaching better than that can i have an amen, oh, no. amen. amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> praise god you see we've got to guard our heart and the things that come into our heart that become really really important I love what John Maxwell said when he translated um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. He was talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit being in us. And he said, The fruit of the Spirit in your life should be, this is his version, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of the Spirit. Isn't that lovely? That should that's be the, the fruit of the, imbi- the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in life. We should be becoming more and more like that. What's so. it, uh, what uh, Bible verse was that?
1: Galatians 5.22. 22.
0: Galatians uh, 5.22. Uh, verse 22, yeah, yeah. And it's John Maxwell's translation. It's slightly different to the, the, the normal ones. But these characteristics, you know, kindness, joy, mercy, grace need to be guarded and protected in our heart. The way we treat other people should be with mercy and grace and love. We are protecting our heart. And we do that because we know that God is is in us. So what does the Bible say? It says we need to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. What's he saying? You need to have the shield of faith around you. You need to protect your heart because the real issues that you're dealing with are coming out of your heart. Anger, murder, jealousy, lust, all these things come out of a man's heart. And we need to make sure that we're protecting and guarding our heart so that the fruit of the Spirit is being manifest and not our earthly fleshly nature. Can you say Amen? amen. And so, the, 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 this shield of faith is really important. It's, it talks about a pure heart, and if we do that, you know, if we guard our heart with all the diligence, we will walk in victory. If we protect our heart and build our faith by speaking in tongues, we will defeat the devil. Everyone, say Amen. <laughs> part the seas, move the mountains, subdue kingdoms, rout armies, all things become possible to us. You You know, God wants us to walk in victory and yet many Christians are not walking in the victory that God has purchased for them. Because there are things in their heart that that, that have have hindered the the working of the Holy Spirit. They, they, They haven't disciplined themselves to meditate or memorize on the Word of God. And then they say, Oh, God doesn't love me. God, Why, God, God has abandoned me. Yeah? No, He hasn't. You just haven't done what you're supposed to do. Okay, so, hallelujah. We'll just have a quick look. He looks so nice, I thought I'd share him with you. Okay, so if we do that, we'll be able to say, like Paul the Apostle, he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the, the, the course. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. He kept his shield well protected, well worked over. And that's what we need to do there. Listen to the, the scripture that we've been looking at. Above all, taking the shield of faith, that well-worked scutum that's been oiled and polished and, and cleansed, okay, uh, of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench the other versions say extinguish or stop all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Hallelujah! You want to walk in title of victory. Take the shield of faith. Work on your faith. Develop your faith. Develop the word of God within you. Guard your heart. Make sure you you don't have bitterness and anger and resentment or judgmentalism towards any man. Guard your heart. And if you do that, you will be a disciplined, mature Christian who is walking in victory. Amen? Hallelujah. So, the next one is the Roman helmet. Okay. The helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation. This is the the Greek word perikephalia, and it really means to be surround the head. So perikephalaya is anything that surrounds the head, but in particular, uh, in in the context of war, it's the helmet. Okay. And so, why did Romans need a helmet? Because of the Franks. You know who the Franks are? They're not your neighbors. The Franks were the the Germans. Amen? So uh, they they carried a short-handled axe. short-handled, but this thing was deadly. It was called a battle axe. And if you didn't have a steel helmet, your head rolled when they used the battle axe. So that's why they started to develop uh, uh, the the, the Roman um, helmet, the steel helmet. And you'll see at the back here... Uh, there's, a, there's a little thing that, that deflects. When you come down, it bounces off there and th- it takes the axe blade away. So that's, that's the whole point of the shield, uh, of the helmet, is uh, to guard against the, the battle axe. Okay, your only protection against the battle axe was the iron or bronze helmet um, that you wore around your head. So, in spiritual warfare, the helmet... Protects the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's all about our head, the way that we think. And it becomes really important. What does Proverbs 3, uh, 3 verse 7 say? For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What do you think is going to actually affect your life. The way that you think is going to affect the quality of your life. Do you see that uh, the the helmet protects the head and uh, uh, the the heart is also mentioned here? As he thinketh in his heart, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's a a heart and head thing that need to be uh, uh, protected. How does this work? You know? You can be around people. Somebody comes in and you can be all joyous. You can be at a party and somebody comes in and says, oh, I've just, my, my, my best friend's just been killed. And you start to think about that. And within seconds, from being a joyous party, you, there's now a different spirit in that room. You, you're kind of feeling depressed. and you, you, All the joy has gone out because you're now thinking about how this person has lost somebody that was near and dear to them. So the thoughts actually... Uh, have brought you down. But if somebody, uh, that same occasion, maybe somebody's having coffee at your house and somebody comes in and says, Hey, I've just won my the lottery. Yeah, there's a great difference in our thinking. Suddenly we think, Hey, this is great. You know? like, my friend's just won my lottery. Maybe he'll bless me. Yeah. You shouldn't be thinking that. You've got to guard your heart. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, the, the, the way that you think and what you think about determines your emotions, it determines the, your state of life. And so it becomes really important. The mind is a very powerful thing. Let me say that again. The mind is a very powerful thing. You know, years ago, before I got saved, and when I didn't know any better, I used to be a hypnotist, and uh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I used to, in the army, I used to entertain the troops. Uh, I want to say, I did this in ignorance. I, did, I was not a Christian, I didn't know. And I want to say, don't have anything to do with hypnotism. Amen? It's a tool of the devil. Don't have anything to do with it. But it does demonstrate the power of the mind, as I'm going to share with you. Because I used to, uh, I used to hypnotize my fellow soldiers or victims. I don't know which to call them, but um, it was quite a, an interesting thing. You know, we didn't have much in the way of, of uh, props but i would go down to to the, the the motor pool and i'd find the dirtiest axle grease that i could find and i would hypnotize these guys and i would say to them man you know you've got a few problems with girls and i can tell you why your your skin is you know not yeah it's pretty dry and pretty, you need to put on some of this stuff and if you put on this cream it's going to be, irres- you'll be irresistible to girls. <laughs> These guys would think, wow, wow, irresistible. That's just what I'm looking for. And so they would put their hands in this dirty axle grease. It was the, the worst axle grease I could find. I said, No, you just put it all over your face and you're going to be irresistible to girls. And they would cover themselves in this dirty axle grease. <laughs> then I would say to them, oh, you know, you, you do realise you're going bald. And they say, what, what? I said, no, you definitely are bald, you know. Um, has nobody told you? No, sir. Yeah, you came bald at the, at the back of your head. And so I, I had actually prepared beforehand, cutting long strips of paper. And I said, but, but it's okay, because I have this, this incredible cream that if you um, put, plant your hair in it uh, and, and put it on your head, uh, it, it'll grow. And so he would take the strips of paper, in his mind, the hair, and he would dip it in the axle grease and he would put it on his head. And I, I said, Oh, yeah, that's looking so much better already. Right? And, and so before long, he had a full head of hair or paper uh, and dirty axle grease. And, you know, the, the, the guys that were, you know, it's always good to laugh at somebody else's pain, isn't it? So uh, everybody would be really howling with laughter except for the poor the victim who thought, you know, he had a nice head of hair now. I'd say to him, I'd pick up the the, the broom and I'd say to him, listen, this this is your wife's hair. I want you to smell your wife's hair. And it really was the broom that we'd swept the barracks with. And it was full of that fluff and all the rest of it uh, from the floor. And I, I would say, this is your wife's hair. Smell this. And he would smell it. And of course, his faith is still caked in that dirty axle grease. And he smelled it. I said, what does it smell like? Coconuts, an apple. And really, he was just spreading the axle grease and the, the floor sweepings all over his face. And, uh, you know, he said, so, okay, well, you know, you, you're looking mighty good now. I said, you're feeling strong? He said, absolutely. So I said to him, here is a, um, a salt cellar. I said, but this is an unusual salt cellar. It's the heaviest salt cellar in the world. You will not be able to pick this up. Now, bear in mind, he's hypnotized. I have control of his mind. He said, this is the heaviest salt cellar in the world. You cannot pick it up. And so he grabs hold of it, and uh, he tries to pick it up, and he's straining, and he's bursting out in perspiration. I said, okay, let it go. I said, you see, I can pick up the salt cellar. It's very easy for me, but you can't. Try again. And he tries to pick it up, and he can't. Absolutely can't pick it up. So I said, see. Now, what this demonstrates is that the mind is a powerful thing. He tried and tried... To, to pick up that salt treasure but was unable to because the mind is a powerful thing and that's why hypnotism is wrong okay? that's why we shouldn't be involved in it because somebody actually takes control of your mind but it does demonstrate how powerful the mind is so we're going to see now how this relates to the helmet that covers our mind our uh, mind, will and emotions are the battleground of the devil isn't it? the warfare that we experience most often takes place in the head okay so uh, when the enemy tries to come, he takes us in the mind and tries to defeat us by our thinking. If he can get into our minds, if he can get into the way that we think, then uh, we are, are going to be in trouble. He can stop us um, from walking in the will of God. We can be, uh, take bondage and, and uh, be frustrated because, the, because he's now entered into our thinking. So this is why God has given us the helmet of salvation, the Pericaphalia. OK, it's so that we can protect our thought life because it becomes very important. The Bible has uh, made it very clear that there's a right way and a wrong way to think. OK, Acts 17:29 says, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think. We ought not to think. And then it goes on to say the things that we shouldn't think of. The point that I'm trying to make is that the Bible specifically says there are some thoughts that we shouldn't be thinking. Again, in Isaiah 43:18, it says, Forget the former things. Don't think about these things. So what are the things that we're not supposed to think about? We're not supposed to think about our doubts, our fears, our rejections, our failures. Don't think on these things. Don't meditate on these things. They're, they're not good for us. In fact, the Bible says that we are to think on certain things. And then a couple of injunctions uh, in, in, in Philippon uh, 2 5, it says, Let this mind be in you. And of course, he's talking about the mind of a servant, and we've been looking at But he says, Let this mind think down these thoughts. And again, later on in, in, in the fourth chapter and verse 8, it says, Think on these things. If you want to be an effectual and powerful soldier, a a man or woman of God, you need to be disciplining the way that you think. Can I have an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So it becomes very clear then that we need to think on these things. Think on what things? Think of Christ in us. Think that we're the new creation. Think of the blessed life that God has given us. Think of the abundance of God that He's given. So there's a right way and a wrong way to think. Uh, There are thoughts that lead to victory and thoughts that lead to de- defeat. There are thoughts that lead to life, and they are thoughts that lead to death. Okay. So, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that's why we must always wear the helmet of salvation. We must control our thoughts. Because they're either going to bring you to a place of life and victory, or a place of defeat and death. So, it's really important that we understand this. Because the Bible says that God can set us free and yet we can still think we're bound. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I used to have an aviary when I was a kid. Uh, and I, I would catch all the wild birds of the area and I'd put them into the aviary. And, you know, uh, my mom was really cross with me that I built this aviary uh, because, you know, she's an absolute animal lover. And anyway, the other side, I, I had this aviary and I, I had it filled with all these wild birds. And one day I was standing there looking and it's like all the birds rose up and were hanging on the wire looking out at at like distant skies. And I thought, man, it's like these birds are my prisoners. And my mom's whispering in my ear, this is cruel, this is cruel, this is cruel. cruel." And I thought, you know, she's right. And I I made the decision that day that I was going to set them free, and I opened the the Avery door. These birds were so conditioned to being encaged uh, in, in, in the environment, that they didn't come. You know, it took days for all the birds to, to yeah. evacuate the cage. Eventually they, they came out. But an amazing thing happened. I was totally amazed that after a few days there were birds that were coming back into the cage. It's <laughs> like, so I, man, I would rather live in bondage than live a free life. And there are Christians that Christ has set free. They haven't renewed their mind, haven't believed God for the victory. They're just like those birds. They're happy with their confinement in their cage. And so we need to understand that the way that we think is very powerfully important. Now, I want to give you a real gold key. This is, a, this is like the master card of our spirituality. I hope you're awake. Are you awake? Yes. Okay, we've got three awake. The, the rest of you will have to speak to them afterwards because you're going to miss it. Okay. So the mind directs our life. Whether we walk in victory or whether we walk in defeat is determined by our noggin, right? Yeah. That's right. So we we, we need to understand this. The mind determines the direction of your life, whether you walk in victory or whether you walk in failure. Your mind is part of your soul. Your soul, your mind, will and emotion. And it's protected by the helmet, by the Okay, How does it work? How does the spiritual life work? If your mind is set on the flesh or on, on, on the body, you are going to end up being carnal. Why? Because we are body, soul and spirit. And if we set our mind on the flesh, we're going to end up being carnal. But if we set our mind on the things of God, we're going to end up being spiritual. Amen. You see, we, 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 we are tripart being body, soul, and spirit. And the mind determines whether uh, uh, it allies with the spirit to cause us to walk in victory. So wherever you put your mind, is, your spirit's going to come uh, in, in agreement in tune. In fact, you can think of it this way is that the mind is the spirit connector. The mind is the spirit connector. Whatever you set your mind on, your spirit is going to receive. It's going to be opened up to you. And that's why we wear the, the helmet, because it protects our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. Okay. Let me just give you one other scripture. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there and day and night. That they must observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt have uh, success. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Amen. And so, uh, th- where's the battle goes on? The battle goes on in our, our mind, in our wrong thinking. That's why we must have the helmet. Modern day helmets fasten underneath the chin, and they're designed to protect the whole head. Okay. So it says. The best way to overcome wrong thinking is to use your mouth. The best way to use uh, overcome wrong thinking is to use your mouth. you know if I, if i asked you to count backwards from twenty, you could all do that. Um, but if I sit you in, in the middle of that, I want you to say the word hallelujah okay, um, okay. what happens is that you stop counting backwards to say hallelujah, and then you return to counting backwards. What's the principle? You cannot think effectively two thoughts at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so you use your mouth, which is your spirit connector, to, to connect to your spirit, and you are able uh, then to move into the realms of spirit and correct our own thinking. Okay, So the first line of defense is to speak. So when wrong thinking comes into our hearts and into our minds, put the word of God in your mouth. Remember, that's what he said. Uh, the, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy... mouth." And so the way we control our thinking is by our words, because we can only think uh, one thought successfully at a time. So when, when some wrong thoughts come into our mind, what are wrong thoughts? Oh, I'm not going to make it. This is just too hard. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a failure. I you know i'm afraid i'm uh, it, things are not getting better you know the circumstances will never change you know what's going on here these are worldly thoughts okay they are uh, actually unspiritual because they counter to what the word of god has said and as unspiritual thoughts they considered carnal thoughts we mentioned in Romans uh, earlier on, Romans 8 6 says, uh, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Okay? And so if, if we begin to understand this, then it becomes really uh, an accessible and important way to live. So don't just sit there and, and let death minister to you. I can't do this. I'm just a failure. I'm no good. Uh, that's death. Don't let that do. You need to take, uh, take authority over that, you see. So don't sit there, minister. Take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. By how? By speaking. OK. Remember, everything in life, and I mean absolutely everything in life begins with a thought. You know, whether it's this microphone, somebody decides, hey, I'm, I'm going I'm to design a microphone, I'm going to design a table, I'm going to design a new fashion and um, clothes. Everything in life, whether it's boats, cars, planes, trains, they all begin with a thought. Amen. Somebody conceives it. The thoughts are really powerful. The thoughts that you think become incredibly powerful. They will either lift you up and propel you forward, or they'll be like an anchor to your soul and drag you down. Your thoughts become incredibly powerful. Listen to um, this. The, the thoughts are powerful because they frame our world and they frame our reality. Thinking and speaking correctly will change your life. You want to grow in God? You want to become a mighty man, a woman of, of valor? Change the way that you think and what you're saying and God's going to pour out His Spirit upon you. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. So, it's really powerful. Remember 2 Corinthians says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, we're going to pull down strongholds. And it says, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. Taking captive every thought to the obedience. How do you captivate a thought? It's yeah? a little bit abstract. You know? how, do you, how do you put a thought in prison? Okay, don't come out. You know, how do you do that? How do you captivate How do you bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? When I had that problem, I just kept thinking, no, God doesn't want it that way. No, no, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm not just that way. The answer is what we've been looking at. When we begin to speak out the word of God because you can only think of one thought at a time. And so it becomes really important. That's how we take out. That's how we take out our thoughts by the, by the right words that we speak. In other words, we bring those thoughts under uh, the helmet of salvation, under our parakhephalia. Okay, it's called the law of displacement. You can only think of one thought effectively at a time. Okay, so change your wrong thinking by declaring the word of God. Don't be afraid. Confess perfect love, cast out fear. Instead of being a failure, confess, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Instead of saying, I'm sick, confess that by His stripes I am healed. That's thinking correctly, it's speaking correctly, and it will change your life. God honors His Word, He's watching over His Word, waiting to perform it. When you start to speak out the Word of God, you're thinking correctly, you're speaking correctly. God looks at that and says, hey, I'm going to do a mighty miracle in that person's life. And that's how you become powerful in the, in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. God inhabits the word. When you start to being, put the word of God in your life, there is a powerful change that takes place. Can you say amen? Amen. Because God has come to dwell in us and we can walk in absolute victory. Okay, I want a bit of fun. Okay, will you, will you indulge yeah. me and, and uh, have a bit of fun with me? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. Right okay, then, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, Hallelujah. Oh, it's time for your annual senior citizens' test. Sorry. <laughs> your <laughs> annual senior citizens' test. It's timeless. <laughs> <laughs> they said exercise of the brain is as important as exercise of the muscles. As soon as we grow older, it's important to keep mentally alert. If we don't use it, we lose it. Below is a way to gauge the loss or non-loss of your intelligence. Take the test presented uh, here, determine or not whether you're losing it or not. It's time to give your answers. The time you take to give your answers is is revealing. Please be quick and accurate as you can. Okay, Speed is essential, uh, and, and we are looking for lightning-fast responses. Okay, So what I want to do, I'm going to propose a, a series of just four questions for you. And I want you to, to uh, uh, speak out, just call out the right answer. Mary had a little <coughs> okay. Now, right, OK. That was illustration purpose, not <laughs> a good memory, but that's exactly This side uh, was a, had a little lamb. Okay? <laughs> Okay. So here are the questions that, that I want you to ask. Okay. I want you to just relax. <coughs> Excuse me. Clear your mind and let things begin. Remember, call out your answers as quickly and as clearly as possible. Okay. Are you ready? No. Okay. <laughs> what do you put in a toaster? Three. Answer. Yes. Okay. Some of you who said toast... <laughs> Okay, please. You know, no, no point in carrying on with this test. Please don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Find something else to do. <coughs> For those who said t- uh, bread, uh <coughs> sorry, I knew this. We this. <laughs> You're laughing too much. <laughs> <No interpretation. laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. For those of you who said bread, I, I want to ask you the second question. Please say out loud "silk" five times. Silk five times. Now spell the word silk. Okay, I okay. okay, right. Quickly please, what do mature cows drink? Milk. Answer? Water. 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 <laughs> oh dear. The answer is water. If you said milk, don't attempt the next question. Your brain is obviously overstressed and may overheat. Content yourself with listening to more appropriate speakers such as Enid Blyton. <laughs> For those who said water, we'll proceed to question three. Okay. If a red house is made from red bricks, and a blue house is made from blue bricks, and a pink house is made from pink bricks, and a black house is made from black bricks, quickly, please, what is a green house made of? Answer. Glass. Okay. Yeah, oh, glass. Get some really, Absolutely. Amen. Okay. For those who said glass. Some of you are beginning a little bit shy on the answers here. Yeah. I'm not going to call out. Oh, yeah. Okay, last question. Okay, many years ago, a plane was flying at 20,000 feet. You're going to need to concentrate on this one. Over Germany. Please concentrate. you recall that years ago, Germany was politically divided into East Germany and West Germany. Anyway, during the flight, three engines failed. The pilot realizes that the last remaining engine is also failing and decides on a crash landing procedure. Unfortunately, the last engine fails before he can do so, and the plane fatally crashes, right smack in the middle of no man's land between East Germany and West Germany. Quickly, please call out your answer. Where do you bury the survivors? No man's land, East Germany, or West Germany? Answer. Bury them <laughs> in the ground. In the ground. <laughs> you don't bury survivors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really worried about this conversation. <laughs> Hmm. I'm really worried about this congregation Will please help them to renew their minds (laughs) Okay So let's wrap this up quickly uh, This morning The last part of of verse 17 says Take the helmet of salvation And the sword of the spirit Which is the word of God And I'm going to go back to our Roman soldier uh, Because you can see his, his sword there Okay So um, we're going to talk, we've been speaking a lot about the word of God, so I don't wish to uh, prolong this talk. but I want, to, I want to draw an illustration uh, from one of my heroes in, in the scriptures. One of David's mighty men was called Eliezer, and uh, uh, it really tells us how to be a mighty woman of, uh, uh, or man of God. Would you like to know how to be a mighty yes. man or woman of God? We're going to look at this a story that's found in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 23 in verses 9 and 10. It says, uh, uh, Next to him was Eliezer, the son of Doai, the Ahohahite. And as one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines together uh, at Pass damon For the battle then, uh, the, sorry, for the battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. But he stood his ground and struck down Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead of spoil. That word taunted is the Hebrew word haraf, And haraf actually means to, to uh, intimidate, to, to be aggressive. It, it means to, uh, to actually uh, lambaste or to reproach. Uh, so Israel, when they were taunting the, the Philistines, were all mouth. They were warm-out. They could talk the talk. But when push came to shove, they ran with their tail between their legs, and only Eliezer stood the battleground. Only Eliezer stood there. You see, that's much like the the body of Christ. They say to you, Brother, we are right behind you. The only problem is they're so far behind you, you can't see them. (laughs) You know, if you're going to be a mighty man or woman of God, we need to understand this that, you know, they were talking the talk but not backing up. So Eliezer didn't run with the crowd, he was prepared to stand alone and do what others would not. If you want to be a mighty man or woman of God, you've got to be prepared to stand alone. You know, I've been, uh, one of my favorite movies on, on Netflix is Coach Carter. Uh, and he takes takes these kids that are failing and and really going to do nothing with their lives probably most of them are going to end up in prison and he he begins to drill them and he he inspires them with self-discipline and he treats them with respect it's a a wonderful movie Uh, I've watched it over and over again it's one of my favourites as I say but uh, he was actually there to uh, change the lives of these boys and uh, as a result of it um, they They went on uh, and they, they from failing horribly they they succeeded incredibly and at one point they, they, they started to lose their grades they stopped they, they were so uh, intrigued with how good they were on the basketball pitch that they stopped putting the work in at school and so he said, well. I tell you what, we we are uh, in the championships, we're number one in the championships, we've got a few games to go, but I'm not going to let you play in the championships until you get your grades up. Man, there was a roar. The parents said, don't you realize this is the only thing that these kids are good at? And you're taking it away, you're going to cost them the chance of the championship. And he said, I don't care. He said these kids signed an agreement with me before that they would they would keep up their grades and I'm locking them out until they get their grades up. He demanded the whole community came against him. They caught the boards in and they, and they pressured him into into conceding and and letting them play even though their grades He said, "Listen, the problem is you don't think that these kids can succeed." He said, "I do." I was one of them, and I've become a successful businessman. I know that if we hold them to this standard, they will rise. And it's an incredibly true story a lot. Uh, they had about uh, graduating in class, they had about six students uh, from the entire graduating body that would go on to university. Uh, and uh, it, it, the failure rate was extremely high. But when Coach Carter came on, uh, suddenly when he held them accountable, he, he made them. Uh, he stood against the crowd, and and, and he was alone. and nobody supported him, and uh, but eventually uh, he was he was thrown out. They said, "No, you can't do that." And uh, uh, the kids were absolutely horrified that this coach had been hard on them, but really fair, and they felt it was unjust that the school had fired him and, and walked him out. So they walked into the into the 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 gym and they sat down and they started to study. The coach has been fired. But on, the, on their own accord, they went and got the teachers and said, please help us. We want to get our grades up. He believes that we can do this. And if he says we can, we can. Because we couldn't win a match to save our life. But since he came along, we're winning everything. And if he believes that we can pass, then we, we can pass. And these kids went on to study. You know, there were, there were about seven kids from the, just the, the, the basketball team who went to university and got degrees. Let alone the rest of the school. Half the basketball team got degrees because he was prepared to stand against the crowd. And if we're going to be a real man or woman of God, we have to stand against what is popular at times. We cannot follow the crowd and be anointed of God at the same time. How many know that God asked us to, to pick up our cross and follow, us, uh, follow Him? So we need to be, make sure that we don't run with the crowd. Then Eliezer stood his ground. He was refusing to be intimidated, refusing to be conquered. He was courageous, determined, and passionate. He was ready to risk it all for God. You want to be a great man or woman of God? You want your life to have impact in amongst your family and amongst your friends and amongst your workmates? Man, you've got to be different to the world. You've got to stand against the crowd. You've got to be those that that are passionate about the things of God and let people see what you stand for and that they might know that you're ready to risk it all. In other words, we don't surrender. Eliezer was ready to resist the enemy to the bitter end. If we are going to be men and women of God, we cannot go with the flow of, of, of what's happening in the world today. We have to resist. We have to be Christ's ambassadors. We have to be Christ's soldiers and say, I'm not going to give in. I am going to love you, but I'm not going down that road with you. We need to be strong enough to do that. And everyone said, Amen. 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 He would not surrender. He resisted to the bitter end. He was determined to succeed or die trying. I hope there's something in you that says, I want to glorify God with my life and everything in me. I want Jesus Christ to be exalted in my life. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to be able to see the life that God has given me and that they can have too. Yes, I hope that's in your heart. Yes. And if it is, then these are some of the choices you need to make. He fought on alone. Verse 10 says, But he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. And a great victory was brought that day. And the troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead of the spoil. The Lord found a man who would trust him, a believer who thought, God has given us this land, and no man is going to take it from me. You know, every place I put my foot that I shall tread, God is going to give me the victory. And one man in the nation, one man stood up and made a major impact on the world around about him. Thank you, Lord. Yes. One man Thank you. made that difference. Eliezer stood there and he fought until his hand froze to the sword. I, I've told you before. I went, when I, my dad had a, a sword and, and a mealy patch, maize <coughs> field, whatever you want to call it, sweet corn. <coughs> I'm getting excited. Okay. <laughs> excited. And I, I got hold of the, I got hold of the, the his sword one day, and I went into the sweet corn patch. And these guys were my enemies, and I was lopping off the heads of the sweet corn. My dad had harvested the, the corn. But the, the, the stalks are still standing, and I was cutting them down. And cutting them. and uh, it was—I spent the whole afternoon, three or four hours, cutting down these imaginary enemies with my dad's ceremonial sword. You know, at the end of that time, that repeated jarring as I was cutting down those stalks, my hand had frozen to the sword. I had to do this. <laughs> let go. I I could not release. This is exactly what happened to Eliezer in the battlefield. His hand froze to the sword. What is the sword? It is the word of God. And if we will bind ourselves to the word of God like Eliezer bound himself to his sword, we will walk in victory and triumph in every circumstance, in every situation. Because our God is a powerful God. Amen? His word never fails. He's watching over his word, waiting to perform it what a lesson for us as New Testament believers to hold on to the Word of God. When things are not going right and you're confessing and, and it's the, the problem still remains, do you give up and run away like Israel? Or do you stand like Eliezer and declare this too shall pass. This, I am healed, I am delivered, I am I'm prospering. I am, Whatever it is Will you proclaim the Word of God To the bitter end, if you will do that, you will see your breakthrough. It's not easy, but I promise you it works, because God is watching over His Word, waiting to perform. Let's bow heads in a word of prayer. really pray for each and every one of us this morning that we would become mighty men and women of valour. Lord, that we would stand up and be counted in a culture that is lost and in a darkness, that we would shine as the brightness of your light, that we would stand and be different, that we'd be loving and inclusive. Lord, that we, we would accept all those with their sins and their brokenness. Lord, we would love them but not go down their road. We would show them an alternative way of life. Lord, the the way of the Spirit. And so I pray for each and every person listening to this message this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would speak unto us, that you would challenge us, that we would become soldiers drilled and trained and disciplined in the Word of God to, to raise havoc in the kingdom of darkness. Lord, to rage warfare against the powers and the principalities that seek to enslave us. Lord, we will, we will walk in victory we will, we will see the glory of God manifest. And so, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you died for us. Lord, not only did you do all these wonderful things for us, but you died for our salvation. You died for our sins. You know, the truth is, each and every one of us sitting here is a sinner. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. We deserve to be punished for the wrongs that we've done. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That, that we can have a new life. Jesus paid our, our punishment. He took our place. And the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus for all the things that you and I did wrong. And if we will accept Jesus Christ into our life and say, Lord, forgive me, I know I've done wrong, but I see that by your great love you've died from, in my place. You've died for my sins and you offer me this new life of forgiveness, of mercy, of grace, of love, of goodness and kindness and joy. Lord, I want that life. I want that life. God wants to give it to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to lift the burdens from your shoulders. He wants to heal you and and help you with everything that's going on in your life. This morning, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I don't know where where you are with the Lord, but uh, it maybe you're saved, maybe you're not. I want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus loves you, and took your punishment for all your wrongdoings, both now and in the past and in the future. You will never need to be judged again if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior into your life. Is there anybody here this morning that's just I want to give my life to Jesus. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong, but I ask Jesus to take my place, take my punishment. If that's you, I'd just like to ask, give you a couple of seconds just to raise your hand. That's me. I want to give my life to the Lord. Is there anybody here this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I trust we all know the Lord. just pray that we'll walk in his blessing, and so I, I pray God's richest blessings upon each and every one of us now in Jesus' name, Amen, amen. and Amen. Hallelujah. David, would you like to come forward and lead uh, us in a closing song? Hallelujah.